Welcome to Chris. My name's Chris, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about Westworld, uh, specifically seasons one and two, heading into season three. Uh, the first episode of season three is out. Um, I wanted to give some thoughts about some things. Uh, if you haven't watched Westworld, there are going to be spoilers here. So if you want to avoid those, then stop listening. <laughs> Otherwise, hey, welcome to this journey. It might be a little bit rambling. I hope you can uh, forgive me. Some of the stuff that we're talking about it can be convoluted. There's three things that really jump out to me about Westworld that I want to talk about that I think make it so interesting. Above and beyond the things that it's already doing well, right? The show is successful mainly, I think, because the core elements are so well done the acting's top notch uh the characters are fascinating just the tension between uh the western genre and the sci-fi genre putting those things in contrast with each other or juxtaposition with each other has been really engaging and fascinating as well as just the narrative hooks that they put into place mainly the mystery elements that come into play uh the twists that come into play that really keep audiences guessing and trying to figure out what's going on and kind of outsmart the show. Um, great story, great action, violence, just all these things that people enjoy from television, uh, from any narrative. So it's been successful for those reasons, but the thing that really jumps out to me, there's three. First is uh, the structure of the show, and I'll get into what that means because I don't think it means what... <laughs> Uh, you may immediately think it does. Uh, the paradigm shifts that happen in the show. And then lastly, the, I guess, point-counterpoint that happens in the show, the thematic development uh, through the Man in Black's character and how interesting that's been. So uh, back to the first point. Uh, the thing that I think is so cool about the structure is that Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, the creators and writers, knew where they wanted the show to go from the beginning Beginning. They didn't just write the first season and figure it out after that. They already had planned out that in season three, Dolores was going to leave the fucking park and head out into the world at large and be out there kind of doing the things that she does, which <laughs> aren't good for other people in the world. And they always knew they were getting there. I think they said that they had five seasons planned out already, or at least that first three season arc planned out already and you can really see in the structure that the show knew it was going to arrive at Dolores leaving the park which meant you had to first establish the park and that's what we do at the very beginning uh, I like to refer to this as uh, the contrast between stability and instability and how important that is to a narrative if you look at most movies and TV shows, as my cat meows, if you look at most movies and TV shows, they start in a place of stability, uh, where the character's in a normal state of being, and then move to a place of uh, instability, where they're unsure of what's going on, and how the plot resolves is either uh, positive or negative. Right, You look at something as simple as The Lion King, and we start with the circle of life, Mufasa's king, how wonderful. And then Scar does what Scar does, messes everything up, and the world becomes unstable. Simba then has to make things normal again, which he does because he's the hero. 
and everything returns to how it was. A similar thing even happens in a movie like Fight Club. Edward Norton's life is stable, if not depressing and not giving him a, any joy. It becomes unstable or destabilized through Brad Pitt's character, and it is chaotic, 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 until at the end you finally have the conflict that allows him to feel like he has stability again. It's not like his life is wonderful and glorious at this point. It's just he's through the necessary conflict to where he can breathe again and start building again in a way that is more positive than negative. I just watched the movie Uncut Gems, and that takes the opposite approach. Things start in a relatively stable, if not uh, tension-filled place, and destabilize very quickly and continue to destabilize and when it seems like what could make things good again uh is about to happen it just things take a turn so really plots tend to follow just those two journeys it either goes uh stable to destabilized and stabilized in a positive way or a negative way but usually when a plot resolves satisfyingly it's because that stability is back whether it's through death through victory through defeat it's just whatever the core conflict is has been resolved uh westworld starting us in that place of stability where the park is running normally how the park should the hosts function how the host should function the guests get to come and have a great time which uh violent delights you know all of that uh, but the show wanted to take us to a place where that's all destabilized. And because we know that Dolores is eventually going to leave the city, when you first establish the park is how it is, you have to ask yourself, how do we get her to leave and to want to leave? So first you have to even set up her wanting to leave, having that desire. And that's the entire arc of season one, is just Dolores gaining sentience and deciding, no, no, this isn't right, we need a revolution. That's what's so fascinating to me because it's not the timeline stuff, right? That, oh, there's two timelines and William's actually the man in black, crazy. It's that almost everything in season one is geared towards unleashing Dolores, awakening her and positioning her in a way that she's ready to go on a tear and really, really uh, wreak some havoc. So when you go back through that season, you see all the ways in which it's setting up the mechanics of that and just pushing Dolores from this normal, like happy-go-lucky farm girl that has no idea the horrible things that people do to her every day to having full awareness of the environment she's in, what's happened to her, and motivated to do something about it. So everything that happens with Bernard, everything that happens with Ford, all the backstory of the park and the history with Wyatt, even the man in black himself and Dolores' relationship with William, all of that just pushes Dolores and is there to bring Dolores to the point where she awakens and has people to slaughter at the end of the season. Uh, and then season two then is now that Dolores is awake, she has to escape. And everything in the season, it's not the convoluted stuff with Bernard and the memory and the wave. Like All of that is ancillary to or just in service of how do we get Dolores out of the park? 
everything that actually happens is to that question. And not just getting Dolores out of the park, but characterizing her. Because in the first season, we actually care about Dolores as a person. <laughs> but by the end of the second season, it's hard to. She's become the antagonist. Even though her cause is just, and even though it might be understandable why she's so angry and violent, even people that care about her are like, eee, you're kind of fucked up for this one. She doesn't care, which makes her even more of a monster. So she becomes the antagonist, whereas Maeve, who didn't have as big of a role in the first season, takes on a larger role in the second season, and she becomes more of the emotional uh, core. She becomes more of the hero. We care about her on a personal level far more than we care about uh, Dolores at that point by the end of the second season. And all of that is to set up conflict between them to position them at the end of the season as a heroic figure and a villainous figure. And as we've seen in previews for season three, Dolores and Maeve have a standoff, a showdown. So it seemed like Joy and Nolan not only were setting up Dolores leaving the park, but also knew that they wanted to bring Dolores and Maeve into conflict with one another. So you start them in the first season as almost not strangers, but not overlapping. They have parallel uh, stories that don't really cross paths that much. And then in the second season, doing what they do, they start crossing paths and it leads to more conflict between them, not just in their missions, but also in their ideologies and the way they're going about things to where by the third season, they're going to be in direct conflict. I think it's very rare for a show to be as built up as this is, I feel like most shows kind of take it season by season, or they maybe know where they're going in the first season, get the success of it and readjust, maybe know the larger plot points, but you look at Game of Thrones as an easy contrast. Uh, the showrunners for Game of Thrones just kind of, they knew where it was going because of George R. R. Martin, but they weren't plotting things out really for the full thing they'd come back each season and say okay what are we going to do now and kind of write to that which i don't like as much there's a confidence that comes in westworld through the first two seasons where i feel like all of us that watch game of thrones can pinpoint the exact moments where the showrunners there left behind the books and the structure that the books provided and the inside that it provided and charted off on their own course and had no fucking idea really what they were doing. And you can just see the drop in quality when it comes to the plotting and knowing what to do with the characters and how to do it. Even a show like, well, I hate to start getting into uh, the consequentials of other shows in that way, but I guess I just, I don't see this happening as much. Like I look at Breaking Bad and it seems like each season still is kind of, eh, no, let's avoid that. <laughs> um, we'll get to Breaking Bad in this next section here because the second part, the thing that's interesting to me is the paradigm shifts that occur in Westworld. Um, season one is just the tension between the host and the park and the guests and the behavior of the host and the behavior of the guests the desire of the host and the desire of the guest, those things are all in conflict. And I feel like most shows would just keep 
exploring that tension and maybe the end of the series would be the revolution or would be the gain in sentience like they would really milk <laughs> uh the first season and of that was westworld into three or four seasons right um but westworld was daring enough to end the first season with completely getting rid of the park dynamic so in the second season there aren't guests doing guest things at the park it's fucking chaos and survival <laughs> and it's delos trying to clean up the mess from the first season and the hosts trying to escape whether into the sublime that ends the season with or literally escape the park um that's a whole different kind of show than what we got in season one and then when that ends with Dolores leaving, that means the third season is completely different again. We're in a whole new location. There's whole new characters, whole new rules and logic to the story. That's awesome. Like, you rarely see that shit. It feels like, like Breaking Bad, it's just, it's drug dealing. And yes, Walt is escalating his drug empire uh, season by season, but it's still the same core thing season by season it's not like in the third season he leaves new mexico and moves to new york city and is doing what he does but in new york city or it's not like he makes so much money that by season four he's actually running for political office and the drugs are behind him and now we're seeing his cunning and machiavellian spirit being put towards politics that would be wild, right? You don't see these kinds of paradigm shift happen all that often in TV shows. I mean, most sitcoms are exactly the same thing the entire time of the sitcom. You maybe have characters, uh, you often have them change who they're dating or maybe change their job, rarely change where they live. <laughs> uh, I feel like How I Met Your Mother changed the, the apartments at one point. But you look at something like uh, Seinfeld or Friends, it's just the same apartments, the same stuff the whole time. There's not really new characters that enter the picture. It's the same core people. Uh, dramas, you might have a, a few more shifts. Like you look at The Wire, and The Wire was still in Baltimore every season, but the first season was more straight up. It's this new drug detail putting a wire on uh, this gang that's selling drugs, Avon Barksdale's crew. Then second season, you leave Barksdale behind and you go to the docks and Sabata and all the drama that's there. McNulty's no longer in the detail. He's working at the docks as well. So there's some paradigm shift that happens there. Third season kind of restores things, but you bring in the school system as part of it. Or is that the fourth season? Uh, fourth season does something different <laughs> and then the fifth season you bring in the media aspect to it so there are new elements that really change up the feeling of the show in each season but still you have really the same core set of characters and the same central tension going on I, another hbo show deadwood it's really good but it's just kind of the same thing just the politics in the town of deadwood um NYPD Blue. It's just the politics of NYPD Blue, like the New York Police Department. Uh, I feel like shows don't tend to be able to have this kind of daring to just say, you know what? The park that the show is named after, Westworld, 
that shit's burned down. It's gone. We're now completely in a whole city, and eh, we're still going to call it Westworld, but it's not Westworld. <laughs> I think that's incredible, and I wish more shows would take the time to do that or have the daring to do that and the budget to do that. That would be incredible. So, I mean, Lost maybe did it a little bit. I mean, you were at the island. They changed kind of where they were living at times. You had the whole season where... They ended up back in the real world, which was cool. But Lost still was kind of a lot of the same thing over and over again for seven seasons. Oh my god, Lost. When talking about like knowing where you're going with a show, I feel like when Lost first started, it was either supposed to be three or five seasons. Or it was three, and then after the success of the first one, they pushed it to five, and then eventually pushed it to seven. Talk about just having to elongate everything and really draw it out and force subplots craziness uh so westworld just kind of having like where it's going and going step by step to that point i think is special and the other thing i wanted to talk about is uh the point counterpoint or i've spent a lot of time talking about how everything's to the individual plot points right where the season's going, setting up the paradigm shift. One thing that's not necessarily to that end has been the Man in Black story, uh, William's story, in that he isn't as necessary to the main plot as you might think, because when Dolores has the uprising, William's not part of <laughs> these machines gaining sentience and revolting. I mean... He is because he pissed Dolores off to a certain extent, right? But he's not one of the machines. Like, the story, the main story, is about the machines and their sentience. So having this human character that's in conflict with them through so much of it, he's not necessarily part of that journey. Where with season three, he wasn't even in the show. The three main characters that we saw, or the two main, yeah, it was Dolores, Bernard, and then Aaron Paul's character, who is human, not machine. But William was so ancillary at that point, he went from feeling like the A story in season one to a B story in season two to not even being present in the first episode of season three. Um, and then in the second season, his story takes up a lot of time, but isn't necessary to Dolores escaping and the main part of season three, right? It's just a lot more of the uh, backstory that he's involved with and a lot of the world building, but not necessarily the main uh, story that's progressing forward. So why necessarily involve Robert or William to the degree that they involved him where he really did feel like the second lead character even the lead character in season one and the second lead in season two that's because his journey is so important to the thematic aspects of the show uh we're talking about the humanity of machines for the most part and establishing their humanity looking at the limitations of it with dolores and the uh not limitation but beyond limitation i guess uh through Maeve and just seeing the best and worst of humanity in these machines and what is humanity then if they can exhibit it so brilliantly you need to have humans in contrast to that 
And the man in black's struggle with his own humanity has been really interesting because where Dolores and Maeve are machines that start to realize they have human aspects, the man in black is a human that starts to worry that he's machine, right? Because in this world, I mean, machines do exist and sentient machines do exist. So he now becomes obsessed with the idea that he isn't real to the point where in that second season, he doesn't believe that his daughter's real. He's questioning the nature of his reality, but really he's questioning the nature of humanity. So for him, humanity is deconstructing. It's breaking down where with Maeve and Dolores and the other hosts, their humanity is forming. Having that point and that counterpoint really builds out the thematic depth of the show and takes the show from being a one-dimensional thing and adding just that second layer that really gives it breadth and depth and allows it to feel more fulfilled. I think even if you're aware of the theme or not, there's just something to that story that plays so well against Dolores and Maeve and the rest that we can relate to as well because everybody watching it is human. So to have a human character that's going crazy, uh, I don't know. It's something that we can relate to a little bit more and worry about a little bit more, even in the back of our head, than Dolores and Maeve and them discovering their humanity. While we may root for them, while we may connect to them in moments and uh, concerns that they have, it's not the same thing as what we may experience or relate to with William. So it's important to have him in there, even if he's not as relevant or necessary in ways to what's happening with Dolores and Maeve, he's a huge point to have just in terms of the show having the necessary uh, depth to feel more impressive. I feel like shows can sometimes lack that counterpoint. Again, looking at Breaking Bad, uh, you look at how much more power there was when Walt had Aaron Paul to contrast against. And the play that they had off of each other. And then Walt and Gus Fring uh, in season three or four, the showdown between them with their different uh, empires and dynasties, it was great plot material, but it was also great in the thematic sense of what each represented. Like Aaron Paul didn't have the cruelty that Walt had, right? But at the same time, Gus Fring did, and Walt had to level up. Like, did he have it in him to go crueler than this guy? And having that hurdle was such a great thing to watch because while you're rooting for him to succeed, you're also rooting for him to... In order for him to succeed, he has to lose his humanity uh, even more than he already has. And Aaron Paul has been kind of a lifeline or connected in some ways to Walt and his humanity. So that, even as he succeeds, it frays their relationship all the more, setting up season five and the disconnect between the two of them. That's awesome. That's awesome stuff. And that's the stuff that really, I think when people point to Breaking Bad, that's the season that really resonates the most because it has that thematic tension as well as just, the great uh, cat and mouse game between Gus and Walt. 
I really hope I'm getting his name right and I haven't completely forgotten the main character of Breaking Bad and have been saying that completely wrong the whole time. Oh my god. Wait, looking it up. Yeah, Walter White. I keep calling him Wal Walter. <laughs> Ooh, that's a relief. That's a relief. Um, yeah, so these are the things that I admire in Westworld and that I think do a great job, that it does a great job with. If you have things that you want to share, questions, concerns, uh, you can leave them in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Kanye Podcast and at New School Chris. Um, you can also email newschoolchris at gmail.com. And if you have any requests for movies, TV shows, books, or albums you want me to talk about, uh, you can also hit me up with those on any of those formats. Um, but until next time, I'm Chris. We'll talk soon. See ya.